Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics on sale July 24th, 2019. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And oh boy, it's like Comic-Con was last week, there was there was new books last week, it was like... But this week, yeah. we walk into our stacks, and wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, Honestly... Uh, I'm so excited to talk about these books. I my head is spinning from a million different things going on right now, and yeah, we're going to talk about House of X. We're going to talk about <sighs> history of the Marvel Universe, Marvels, uh, Jane Foster, Valkyrie. Star- like, there's so many good books. That's how you week. know. Like immediately off the back, we're not even talking about anything else. Yeah. We got it's just like we cannot wait to talk about these things. I, I saw I saw Chris Robinson, uh, one of the X editors, uh, tweeted out last week that he was carrying around. A copy of House of X number one. He said, just, like, just in case anyone wants to try it, like come carrying up. it around where, <laughs> just like in his bag, like on the streets, like on the streets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and honestly, after reading it, now I'm like, put this thing in a vault. Like, it, it, it is so good. People are going to be clamoring for this. Yeah. It, it, anyway. Yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll there. Get we'll, to, we'll get there. We'll get, we'll get there. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just dive in. Let's, let's do let's, it. Let's talk comics, kid. Let's do it. All right, we're starting with Age of Conan Belite, number five. This is written by Teeny Howard with pencils and inks by Kate Niemczyk. Finishes by Scott Hanna and Andrea DeVito. Colors by Jason Keith and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This is the final issue of Age of Conan Belite. Uh, and, and and really, the kind of the remit of this series is actually funny because I was reminded of it because... You know, Teeny and the entire team did such an incredible job for me of creating this world, of creating this character that I remember saying on, in issue number one, like you just instantly know this character. You instantly get the direction that they're going in um, and the voice of the character that Teeny is is putting together over these five issues. But as it wraps up here, you're reminded of like, oh, this is the goal of this you know, series is how Belite becomes the Queen of the Black Coast, how she goes on that first voyage, how not just like she literally gets there, but like how on a an interior level she also gets there. And that's what really this issue for me is all about. It's about um, we've seen Belite just kicking ass. She's just going around like being this incredible warrior pirate queen. This issue really dives into the inner demons that she has to, to conquer and face. We've gotten to know her history, her familial history, her personal past, uh, those dynamics in a bunch of different ways. And so to see that all come together and it felt really, really clean, beautifully wrapped up in this issue, absolutely would recommend these five issues to anybody. Two things. Yes. Um, the early part of this book features a naked belite wading through a river of blood, yep. talking to a multi-headed black snake thing with the head of her father, <laughs> which she then fights. If that's not another reason for yeah. you to dive into this book and just like the fury of this character, I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. So good. Also, as our resident comedy expert is oh. Belit as Cher singing, <laughs> Do you Belit in life? Wow. Is that funny? Hell yeah. Nailed that's it. That's good stuff. But also I like get I could see like a seventies share. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in this role, you could totally see it. The outfit that Belite yes, wears yes. and like like the, the gold drapery. Yeah. Like it's Dude, there. Belite in life after love. Come yep. on. Come on. That's the good stuff. So good. Uh all right, we gotta keep moving on to Amazing Spider-Man number twenty six, written by Nick Spencer, art by Kev Walker, colors by Laura Martin, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I just had to give I mean 
Joe is on so many books, but when you get Kev and you get Laura together, yeah, that is so awesome. Dynamite. Yeah. Um, You know, we've seen Kev do like the other worldly stuff recently with whether it's Black Panther or Star Wars. But it, it brings me so much joy to see him doing that street level type stuff. Totally. I remember really like getting into his work when he was on Thunderbolts and like that gritty superhero action. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not like there isn't like these, you know, big action moments and special flourishes for him to do here, but it's it's just like there's just something about like the it feels gritty yeah in, in like a good way uh his facial acting and his expressions alone that is just like come here you're gonna get that everything else is is like toppings it's so good um there's some really neat uh and creepy kingpin scenes in here a fantastic new villain team which you know then you have nick spencer doing like that action comedy mm-hmm. route which he does so so well it's really funny uh and some Actually, delightful Peter Parker and Boomerang bits throughout the issue, which is terrific. For this one, it was really funny because I feel like sometimes you read an issue and maybe there's a guest artist that comes aboard or something. And they take the material, they take the narrative that we've been going on, maybe with a different artist, maybe with a couple different artists, and like and like put their imprint on it. But this one felt so much like kudos to Nick Lowe and the entire Spidey office because this one just felt like I'm reading this and I can imagine the script. And this script mm. just feels like a Kev Walker script. Yeah. Like just everything that we're seeing is so perfect for his, you know, his style. Loved it. Next up, we have Doctor Strange number 16. This is by Barry Kitson and Mark Wade. Those are the storytellers together on this issue with finishes on this one by Scott Koblish. Colors by Brian Reber and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. We've been on a crazy cosmic King Kirby trip in this story arc in Doctor Strange, and I'm just loving it. It's Barry Kitson. I mean, come on. It is just an explosion of visuals and color. And I mean, it's just like, this is one of those that you look at and you're like, how did it not take six months to do this issue? Because there's so much detail. There are so many characters. Well, that's the thing. Like, I was reading this. I was like, this is this is an event book. Yeah. Like, this feels yeah. like, oh, this is the summer blockbuster. Galactus has, you know, mystic energies and he's, you know, you need everybody to come at him. And it felt huge yeah yeah completely and it it's that thing it's that reminder of just like mark wade um you know being absolutely a modern marvel master in his knowledge of of literally every single character that's ever appeared in in the universe because he gets to write just so many great ones here ones that we don't get to see that often ones that we haven't seen in a little bit i.e Black Bolt, who shows up, which is awesome. Always love to see that kind of thing. So to see all of these different heroes come together and have this just cannot describe huge throwdown with Galactus, it's really cool. And then to see how it all ends up and where Stephen Strange comes back into play and how ultimately it all kind of comes down on his shoulders is really, really interesting and like a total mind bleep. Like at the end where you're just like, what? Like, where do we go next? Yeah. Uh, up next is Fearless number one. This one is uh, – it's really rad. So we've got three stories in here. And the idea is that uh, these are stories focused on our amazing women of Marvel superheroes as well as all stories are done by incredible female creators. Yeah. So it is dynamite 
folks on this. We've got a well, sort of Captain Marvel, Storm, and Invisible Woman all take place in the first story, which mm-hmm. is by Shauna McGuire with art by Claire Rowe and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Uh, that one is, is super fun. It's like great vignettes of each of them showing their personalities, their principles, supporting characters. There's a bit of Carol in space that's super funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just they, There's something that's tying them all together. I won't go into it. You guys will read the book. But it's it's great. You get this. You're hooked in right away. This will continue into the next issue of Fearless. The second story is called Style High Club. And it is a friggin' Millie the Model story, y'all. <laughs> so excited. It's written by Leah Williams. Art by Nina Vaqueva. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, and it is a straight up, like, Millie on a shoot uh, dealing mm-hmm. with, you know, catty antics with her fellow models. That's uh, really funny. It feels like a modern Millie story yeah, yeah. Uh, and is well told. Like, it is just, it's great. This it, Millie this Millie is thoroughly modern. Oh, boy. Boom. Sutton Foster. Broadway. Maybe I was, like, 11 years old. Maybe the, maybe the first show I ever saw. I don't, like, go to Broadway. I often never did, but uh, she won a Tony for that. Nice. Or, anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, real quick. Pit stop <laughs> there. <laughs> and then uh, the third story is called Unusual Suspects, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Carmen Canero, colors by Tamara Bonvalain. And this one is great because this actually connects to the Jessica Jones series mm-hmm. that Kelly did um, this year. Yeah, like straddled the. the I can't uh, remember time, yeah. so I think that happened this year. Yeah. Um. Uh, so yeah, that one was really great. Uh, the digital original series that we did, uh, it actually ties in with Elsa Bloodstone and Jessica Jones, and has oh maybe the best ending to any book this week. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Carmen is a friggin' treasure. It is so good. Loved it. Yeah. Uh, okay, next up we have Guardians of the Galaxy number seven. It's written by Donnie Cates with art by Corey Smith, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This is the start of the second arc here. This is this arc is called Faithless, uh, and this is part one of six. And that this is really cool, and it definitely feels like a new chapter, a great pl- place to to jump on board if you're a fan of Marvel Cosmic or Guardians, things like that. Because this team has been through a lot, yes, in these first six issues. But there is so much more of the universe to explore with them. And the f- kind of first and foremost that we get to see and get to really focus in on is the Universal Church of Truth in here, which is awesome. I'm so excited to see Donnie and this creative team, whether that's Jeff Shaw or in, or in this uh, Corey, tell this story and, and dig into that kind of strange just off kilter like presence of the universal church of truth i love also love what he does with the nova Corps and what he's been doing with the nova Corps in, in this series because he, it you know there's just especially in this issue there felt like just a really cool like space cop element to it you know like these standoffs and these like really dramatic moments that are coming through yeah uh, real quick on the universal church of truth yes um they go back to starlin's early uh warlock stories in the 70s, um, really cool. The the Magus, the flip side of Adam Warlock, was like the head of the Universal Church of Truth. And some really cool, weird, disturbing stories with that. They came back again in the late 2000s, mm. some maybe early 20-teens. Because right. uh, there was the Guardian stories that Abnet and Landing were doing. And then they were particularly, I'm thinking of around the Thanos imperative. They mm. were helpful in bringing back... Thanos, which mm. was a key point here. So they are 
terrifying like as a as a villain sort of device yeah. like they're they're cool and they're weird and I'm excited to see more of that. Okay. Up next is my first pick of the week and it is History of the Marvel Universe number 1. I mean, I don't even know where to start with this one. It's <laughs> it is almost 50 pages long. Mm-hmm. It is jam-packed. It is written by Mark Wade with pencils and colors by Javier Rodriguez, inks by Alvaro Lopez, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So you know that's a dynamite team. Mark Wade, encyclopedic knowledge of the Marvel Universe. Javier and Alvaro, one of my top three favorite art teams, Mm -hmm. uh, period. And, you know, Joe can letter everything and make it look gorgeous. And so the remit of this story, like the idea that you are brought into it is you have Franklin Richards – Grown up, older, and Galactus, the two of them at the end of time. Mm. And they are just having a conversation. And they're basically about to go through what Galactus went through going from one universe to another. Galactus is sort of like he's sitting um, crisscross applesauce like down Mm -hmm. and Franklin Richards is like we've been together for billions of years. You're my old like my oldest friend help me remember things as I move on to the next stage Mm -hmm. and you know, you don't. And so the idea is that they're having a conversation to remember. So hopefully Franklin brings some of this as he moves to the next stage of, of, you know, reality to the eighth cosmos or whatever it would be. Uh, So you have that as that's how you open it. And then from there, it is a telling of truly the history of the Marvel universe Every page in this book, I would strip. I would like also strip out all the art, blow it up to mm-hmm. like you know twenty four inches by thirty six inches or so, mm-hmm. and post it up on my wall. I would have a whole apartment with just the pages from this book. You go and like even though the early Galactus Franklin pages are stark and they're sad, there's like a lot of deep blacks. Franklin is colored in blue. There's the purples and reds on, uh, like, shading Galactus in even some, like, silhouette of him. It's really beautiful. It's so well designed. And then you go in and, like, the first page of the history has eternity and infinity, death, chaos and order, the living tribunal, the infinity stones, the shots of Galen of Ta's ship. AKA Galactus in in the pre in the previous universe his ship and like the path that that takes every page feels like an epic it is <laughs> wild it is massive it is huge and we go from there and it's, you're you're t- you're learning about the different like races like the Akanti who are the giant space whales um and th- when i was reading this i mean i know a fair amount about the marvel universe yeah. but there were little bits and pieces that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't put that together. I didn't know that, like the Akanti. I didn't know were, like, such an old race. I knew that they were these, like, space whales that the brood had taken over. But I I guess I either didn't know or forgot that they're, like, this old, very peaceful race that was basically just, like, flying around space, learning stuff and being like, hey, friends, (laughs) we're giant whales. Bye. (laughs) And then the brood, horrible things that they are, took them over, turned them into like flying food. It's awful. Uh, Brood food. (laughs) Brood food. uh, You get great things. You start to see like how the elders of the universe came to be and like like actually couching it in a sense of like, okay, here's the framework of the universe. The elders of the universe are, you know, your grandmaster and your stranger, gardener, et cetera, et cetera. 
but they are all the last of their race and they are just basically a symbol of what their race was. Right. And so like the gardener's race, whatever it was, they were really, they were great gardeners. They just <laughs> like, you really could grow some plants and some veggies. Uh, and so he is the embodiment of them. Mm-hmm. And then you have like Eon and Ego and the Celestials. And we go on from there and sort of building out of all these things, painting this framework of what the right. cosmos looks right. like. And then it starts to drill deeper into, okay, that's all that. But here's also like the main alien races. Here are, you know, here's like the different planets and particularly Earth. And you look at, you know, like the early, early, early gods of Earth, things that happened that shaped humanity. And, you know, like it's pulling from everything going back to um, it actually pulls from something from like Tuck the Cave Boy. Remember when we talked about <laughs> yep. Tuck the Cave yeah. Boy yeah. in the 40s, mm-hmm. bringing that in all the way up to bringing in stuff from Avengers that Jason Aaron and and other Crazy. folks are doing within the last year or so. And it's like weaving all this together because we have this wild history. And so you you know, I'm looking at now a two-page spread of different alien races and how the scrolls were, you know, genetically engineered by the celestials and how the savage land came to be the Shi'ar and how they developed on Xandar with the Nova Corps to stuff from remember the Royals limited series mm-hmm. by Al Ewing and Javier uh, a couple years ago and how like there's the progenitors were sort of experimenting on this other race uh, how the Kree came to be so warlike all that's one spread and it's like <laughs> it, it is told deftly and succinctly and beautifully the art in here is, I mean, it's astonishing. It is incredible. Every single panel, frame, and you know, because Javier is such a meticulous designer, in addition to being a great storyteller, he finds ways to change things up. So I'm looking at one page here, which talks, like there's a panel on the left that has sketch versions of different alien races. It's effective because... You look at them, you recognize them. Oh, yeah, I remember this is Yandu's race. This is, you know, so-and-so. Mm-hmm. But we're not delving into them because their history is not as is, is not really important to this overall tapestry. So the idea of putting them in a sort of montage shot of sketches is very effective right. in, in sort of saying, hey, this is who this is, but don't worry about it. We're going to keep moving on. Uh, the first vampire you learn about, like where Selene, the one of the earliest mutants, fits into things, Ulysses Bloodstone, the different uh, gods and, and the different pantheons that, you know, have risen up over time, beautiful Fin Fang Foom panel. It just goes on and on and on. I spent probably an hour on this book, hmm. maybe more, because, I, you know, you're looking through so detailed in all the art. But then you get to the end of the story. This brings us to um, the Wild West time slash young little tiny baby James Howlett time. Mm. So we, we end on actually a, a panel of James Howlett, a.k.a. Logan. Um, that's the end of the first issue. And we're going to continue from there. But there's still, you know, f- almost 15 more pages to go, give or take, after that because – there's full annotations on every page right. in here where it actually gives you here's the original panel that this was referencing. Here's the comic it's from, uh, a context for it, adding a little bit more, you know, 
a little bit more information that isn't necessarily what was in the narrative. Mm -hmm. Some of it crosses over. But this is like I want this bound – like I want the hardcover yeah. of this bound and like given to school children. Right, like, right. This is the history of the Marvel <laughs> Universe because this is what it is. Yeah. It is. And it's exciting and it's thrilling and it's wonderful. It is everything I hoped it would be and so much more. I I just can't wait for yeah. more. I'm dying for more. Yeah. The, I, I, I've heard, like I know that I sh- share something in common with like a lot of Marvel fans, which is just being utterly fascinated with – the kind of hierarchy of beings in the Marvel universe, like what came first, like where they all kind of land on the map and everything. And this feels like the perfect issue to just like so succinctly and beautifully lay it all out. But also it's like, what a crazy exercise. Like that is insane. Imagining all the editorial work that must have gone into this, all the research, all like everything, just incredible. Yeah. It's good that you bring up the research because um, I do want to give a shout out to the research people on this book because mm. there's a lot uh, <laughs> on the research team for this are Jeff Christensen, Anthony Cotoletta, Kevin Garcia, Darren Jansen, Rob London, Michael Sullivan, Jacob Rogemont, Stuart Vandal and Brian Overton. Wow. Uh, it is sense. an immense yeah. undertaking to not just, you know, like figure it all out, but to like put it. It's like a giant puzzle that over the last 80 years, we've just been throwing right. pieces all over right. the place. And someone will every once in a while will like, no, no, this one goes here. This is taking everything, getting a cup of tea, sitting down and saying, let's put this puzzle together. You know, yeah, it's it's really interesting. This is actually something I've been spending a lot of time thinking about as like from a writing perspective. Uh, and it's something that really I've taken personally from sitting in on some of the Marvel Comics creative retreats and seeing different writers talk about their ideas, kick ideas back and forth, see, oh, I can weave my story in with your story this way. Oh, that's a great idea. Maybe I could fit this in this. It, it really taught me that one of the hallmarks of a great writer, like a really great writer, is their ability to absorb a curveball or a different idea or um, something interesting like that and just say, you know what? Like my story is rich enough uh, and my storytelling ability is like uh, agile and uh, like deft enough to be able to take that and just say, oh, yeah, I'll find a way. I'll I'll be able to weave that in and it'll make perfect sense because I think a story that, you know, doesn't have like the richness or the depth of something that can take that is like, you know, a curveball like that can can really throw things off and, you know, make it kind of unstable and make kind of throw off the entire balance of the story. So to take that and expand it to, okay, 80 years of Marvel history is just incredible. And, and of course, it's someone like Mark Wade, who we just got done talking with, with the Doctor Strange issue. You know, he he's in the middle of telling, you know, his own brand new story just with that. Obviously, he's doing incredible work on Invisible Woman. It just there's so much stuff that he's always working on. Um, so it's so cool to see that on just this macro scale of the entire Marvel Universe. Yeah. Just awesome. Before I finish up, I just want to say if you read one comic and like one type of character, if you're like, oh, I really only care about Spider-Man. Or, mm-hmm. I say pick this book up. doesn't right. matter. Like no matter what part of Marvel comics you enjoy. I think this is beautiful and it's an interesting lesson and it's just full of like depths that will let you, you'll want to start diving into all these different stories. And then if you have Marvel Unlimited, like you can look at all these different 
books listed at the back. And then, right. oh, I can read that. And I, I, I threw something out to uh, to you, Tucker, and, and Jamie and Ron. And like, you guys should just put up, like, here's the here's the reading list. You got yeah. the book. We've gathered all the issues for you already. Go dive in um, because there's so much cool stuff yeah. in there. Yeah, you're right. <sighs> all right. Exhale. So my second pick of the week, back-to-back bangers we got here. Oh, it man. is House of X number one. My in my notes I wrote yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's real and it's glorious. It really it it's just I can't. Oh man, it, it lived up to seriously the hype. Uh, first things first. This is written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Pepe Larraz, with colors by Marte Gracia. VCs Clayton Cowles on the letters with Tom Muller on design. I want to make sure. Yeah, wanted to make sure we shouted out Tom. Um, I, you know, I honestly expected Jonathan to do all the design himself, but this Tom is an incredible designer. Yeah. You can look him up. You can see his work. He's done a, a ton of stuff. He's like Eisner and Harvey Award at least nominated, maybe winning. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a really smart designer, and it fits very much into that Jonathan Hickman aesthetic. Yeah, uh, yeah. it felt like. Oh, all right. This is what I was expecting. This is how I how I feel about things. This is going to be a tough one as well for us to talk about because we haven't really spoken much about what this book is yeah. and like the overall story. We've shown only a couple of pages. Um, I like. I'm even hesitant to talk about the first page. Like the first page when you open it up has this big X logo and um, which I tweeted out a, like a picture. Sort of cattywampus, mm-hmm. so I didn't reveal the all the text on it. Yeah. But you know, it's like this picture and uh, this little logo. It's got two lines of dialogue, uh, which I won't repeat, and then it says from Professor X. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you look at it closer, and this goes into that Tom Muller design, the idea that you know what Hickman's putting together, you see like little bits and pieces, and like not code because it's not trying to trick you, but it's like. That's their intention. Yeah. Like the there are things that when you look at them, you're like, I wonder what that is. There's a reason it's there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whether we find out now or later, you'll you'll we'll maybe we'll find out. Right, right. You know, like it's 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 wild. And that and that's what makes it a Jonathan Hickman book, where it's yeah. just like everything is there for a reason. It's all so precise, so intentional. And like it kind of to expand on the design, like the aspect of it like that, it kind of goes in chapters is really interesting how it works because it's not, we're not just talking about the design in terms of, you know, the credits page or the opening page or anything like that. It's like actually kind of woven into the story in this really fascinating way. And ultimately, ultimately what it does is for me, it just, it just cements this as like, this is different. This is, is a landmark like this is a threshold time that we're like reading through and you know it just adds to the weight of this whole thing and you can really feel it on every page yeah you know we we've been talking about that right like the the different you know sort of landmark moments in x-men history and we're (laughs) arrogantly or not we were staking the claim early on like this is the next one this Mm -hmm. is it like this is it this is actually when you read it, you would oh, that wasn't BS. Like, this is a shift yeah. in Marvel superhero comics, in the X-Men stories, in what we're looking at. And, like, you, you go through it and you feel it. Um, those design pages, those things, um, I found fascinating. So cool. They are – they provide you a lot of info and sort of – 
it is almost like chapter breaks, but at the same time, it's also like you're you you're going through the story and you come up to something, and it's it's almost like an app, right? Like yeah. you were like you're experiencing this, and you go Wait, tap. What does that mean? And then it opens up to these one or two pages um, that you really need to like you you want to learn about, um, and it doesn't bring you out of the story. It brings you deeper into yeah. the story, and they're not sequential. They are full of info and stuff, and then you go, you're back into the flow. Uh, sort of the, the idea here is we're following a group who, a group of people who are interacting with the X Men in the X Men's home. Like that is the safest way for me to mm-hmm. explain that what's going on. Yeah, and then from there you you learn about what's happening, who's around the alliances the situation you're getting a sense of the politics and the 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 landscape is you know like hey we're going to walk you through this for with this first issue to see what's going on this issue could have been 80 pages yeah. for me yeah. i could have like followed along so much more and it is it is gorgeous yeah. it's gorgeous uh pepe's work reminds me a little bit of stuart imminent in some ways but i think marta garcia's colors really like it is Sort of the thing that brings it all together is what I loved about Javier Rodriguez when he was working specifically on colors because mm. he was doing colors before he was doing a lot more of the oh, pencils. Wow. Yeah, uh, it is easily one of my favorite comics of the year. Yeah, um, I think people are going to lose their minds. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be like all your your comic websites are going to have their think pieces about this of like what does it mean, and we're not going to know what it all means yeah. right away. Um, there's really cool stuff if you've read. Jonathan's other books, like his Avengers books, or when he was on Ultimates, I loved his Ultimates. You'll you'll see themes and ideas and sort of, you know, the preface of what this is. This feels like the distillation of like, okay, this is what he's been trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, honestly, there's so much. Like, I know you, you and I could do an entire episode about this, about this one issue, uh, let alone like House of X and Powers of Ten as a a, a bigger thing but really what was interesting another thing another added element for me and this is just like a fun cool aside and it's a testament to jordan d white and the entire you know x office is as i was reading this and you know like we said we've been talking about how this is this is a threshold uh series this is taking us to a new era for the x-men all of this stuff it's actually kind of funny because i found myself very primed for this by everything that went down in Age of X-Man. Not necessarily on a uber-specific panel-by-panel level, although, sure, that's all there, but on a level of, like, you know, when it was all kind of brought together in the Age of X-Man of, like, this is real, like, this is not an alternate universe, this is actually happening for the X-Men, like, this is actually happening, these are all the real X-Men, this is, it's a whole kind of warp of those characters, what they know and what we know through their eyes, so when I started reading this, it really helped me, like, fundamentally, you know, read it with the knowledge of, like, oh, this is all real. This is not something that's going to be, like, undone and brought out in just kind of back to square one at the end of the series or anything. Like, this is really happening, and this is going to be, you know, shaping the X-Men for years to come. It's just so awesome. And, and honestly, reading this is so much, it's double-double fun, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure you relate on this level just because I remember being in a meeting probably, I don't know, a year ago, downstairs, like a weekly meeting with the comics editors, and hearing Jordan White say, 
Jonathan is coming in for a meeting like next week. Don't tell anybody. Don't don't say anything. But he's coming in for a meeting because, you know, we have some things to talk about. And now to go from that and remember being there and being like, oh, man, that's awesome. To reading this first issue, it, it's full circle. And it's like completely, completely uh, just, uh, you know, knocked out of the park. The when, when we sat down before we even started recording, we were both saying like, they, they lived up to the hype like a million percent. Yeah. Dynamite uh, stuff. Awesome. Before we move along, I want to give a big shout out to our advertiser this week, Marvel MasterCard, because you know this show is all about comic books. And did you know you could be earning cashback rewards for buying your comic books? How? You may ask. With the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash list. Now, of course, you could earn 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard and 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn. Enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription. And you can choose your superhero from one of six cool car designs as well, like Iron Man, Black Panther, Spider-Man. That's just naming a few. Visit marvelmastercard.com list to learn more and apply today. Marvel MasterCard. Dot com slash L-I-S-T. All right. Whew. Moving on from that to Magnificent Ms. Marvel number five. This is written by Saladin Ahmed with pencils by Minkyu Jung, inks by Juan Velasco with Minkyu Jung, colors by Ian Herring, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Um, you know, just huge kudos to Saladin uh, and Minkyu with these first five issues just really being bold and going for something different and new, but at the same time, totally feeling organic to Kamala as a character. Um, there's something as I was reading this, that just makes perfect sense for some context. Kamala is essentially like out in outer space dealing with this, this alien race. There's just awesome battles, fight scenes, great new characters that we're getting to know along the way. And just crazily enough, Kamala's parents are kind of stuck in the middle of it all. With that all in mind, as I was reading it, this felt like an amazing kind of reversal of it's like a it's like the photo negative of what we know about and what we expect from a Ms. Marvel issue. You know what I mean? Because instead of having the backdrop be New Jersey, we're out on this alien planet. Instead of Kamala's parents being, you know, unaware of everything going on, they're stuck in the middle of it. Kamala, instead of fighting like, you know, just like a, uh, 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 like the Shocker or, or someone that, you know, just these more ground level villains that we've seen her fight before, she's fighting like, like this incredible technicolor cosmic, totally out there, fun alien race. And so to do that, but also like is really clever and so much fun because I feel like it's it's just it's it's a dynamic that we're familiar with but in a in a new way and so i've really loved this and and it totally captures the heart of this character and totally captures what's special and different about this character but i love i love seeing a creative team jump on board and say in our first five issues in our first story arc we're going to just make these big leaps and we're going to say to the reader come along with us we'll get you there um we're going to have fun along the way and that's exactly what this is for me yeah and kamala gets a really cool new costume yeah. in this issue that um i think you've got done some articles mm -hmm. on the website about. It's neat. I'm excited to see how that comes together. Uh, all right. Up next is Marvel Rising number five. It's written by Nyla Magruder with art by Roberto DeSalvo and George Duarte with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, if you are excited about Morgan Le Fay coming to Marvel's Runaways in season three, I 
I would actually suggest you check out the Marvel Rising series because she's been the big bad there. It's been a really fun team-up book with great heroes fighting LaFay, uh, but with emotional beats and, and big stakes. And I think that is sort of indicative of Marvel storytelling, but it's, it's been great. It's a good primer on Morgan Le Fay. Morgan Le Fay, also part of History of the Marvel Universe. Mm. Definitely want to learn about her. I guess you should pick that up, too. <laughs> Mod as well. Um, this one has uh, one of my new favorite characters named Treshy, the trash heap that uh, was given life uh, as the spirit of the Hudson River by Morgan Le Fay. And Treshy is wonderful. <laughs> it's a really fun idea, a really fun book. All right, up next is Marvel's Epilogue number one. Uh, So this is sort of part of our big 25th anniversary celebration of Marvel's. Uh, It is a brand new Marvel story by Kurt Busiek, writer and Alex Ross, artist, with John Rochelle and Richard Starkings of Comicraft on the letters. Um, And it's cool. This one takes place in the 70s where it pulls in some stuff of the giant size x-men team the the, you know so the all new all different team uh as well as nova you know young nova shows up which is really really neat um that actually shows you in the back matter where they pulled the x-men scene from and some of the details of the different characters uh there's a ton of bonus materials in this uh it gives you you know the the annotations like if you've been checking out the marvel's annotated issues which are treasure troves of information you will definitely love this because it's full of cool stuff um there's a sketchbook in here going through all of alex ross's art in like the base stage which is wild because he has these really tight pencils like starter pages uh, and then he's still doing all the amazing painting Mm -hmm. work after that it's Gorgeous. It's really fun. Uh, Must read if you're at all a Marvels fan. Totally. Uh, Okay, next up, we have Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 45. This is written by Brandon Montclair with art by Aletha E. Martinez, colors by Tomer Bonvillain, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, It's pretty funny. I was reading this issue, and it felt like... It felt like a few issues have been leading to this point, and indeed they have. It's it's really, really fun. But in that way, it feels like not just a semi-climax of, of the past few issues, but a great encapsulation of Lunella Lafayette uh, in where she's been um, uh, because we have this great dynamic where she's seen so much. She's jumped into the past. She's gotten to know, like, her grandmother in the past. Uh, she knows a lot more, but she's also, you know, s- somehow forgotten a lot. So to see her uh, just essentially on a field trip at the Museum of Natural History, uh, checking out dinosaur skeletons, and then to have Devil Dino show back up and kind of kick so much back into uh, Lunella's mind to have this really fun dynamic that play out. Um, ultimately, what it is is just like Brandon Montclair is a master. Like, you know, he, in the same way that Ryan North is going to be the, like, go-to reference point for how to write Doreen Green, the Squirrel Girl, you know, Brandon Montclair is absolutely that for Lunella Lafayette for years and years and decades to come. Because no matter where we go, no matter what happens with this character, I'm always right on board. Uh, it's always just a delight. It's a romp. It's so much fun. And, and that's exactly what this issue is. Yeah. All right, next book is Secret Warp's Arachnite Annual Number 1. This is, uh, you got two stories, as we've been doing with these Secret Warp's annuals. Uh, this The main story follows the story that we've been going through, but the warps get 
real intense this issue. So you've got a warped team called uh, the Supreme Seven, which is a mix of Squadron Supreme with the New Universe's DP7. Um, and they come into the main Mergerverse right. by yeah. a, like almost like an incursion type thing from that Jonathan Hickman and, and team were doing leading up to Secret Wars. So it's it's got all these kinds of ideas. Uh, and then by the end of that main story, I don't want to give it away, but it's just like the warping got just taken up to 11. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nuts. It's a lot of fun. The backup is a riff on Amazing Spider-Man number one, the original story with Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four, but done warped style. It's great. Yeah, awesome stuff. Okay, next up we have Shuri number 10. Uh, and this is the final issue of this Shuri series. What a dang delight it has been this entire time. So, so fantastic all the way through. This issue is written by Nettie Okorafor with art by Rachel Stott, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Um, you know, we've spoken so much about how uh Coates has essentially defined the recent history of the Black Panther, of Wakanda, of the ancestral plane. So to see uh, this kind of next generation in a way, the kind of, you know, the logical, you know, instead of, you know, whereas Tanasi is telling and, and forging this this new mythology, now we're in this, I feel like, in Shuri playing in that mythology in a fun way um, and, and, and taking it and maturing it and taking it to different levels and, and all through the eyes of Shuri. That's what we're doing here. But it's not just that. Uh, we also have awesome uh, giant bug monster action uh, going on mixed in with the ancestral plane. Always so cool. And I feel like it's just that great way to have the history and like I was saying, the kind of gods and the mythology of Wakanda that means so much to the likes of T'Challa or in this case Shuri come into play and have a really crucial uh, impact on the story in a really present sense is really, really cool. While at the same time, we get some great throwdown, kicking and punching all the way through. It's really, really great stuff. I love the way it, it ends and it just solidifies uh, Shuri as her, you know, her own hero, her own character, because what we've been playing around with for the last few issues is her having to put on the Black Panther suit, assume that role in Wakanda. Um, but to have, you know, that means something specific to Shuri uh, in her own light, in her own right, uh, out of the shadow of uh, T'Challa is really, really cool. And it means so, so much to so many people so kudos to the entire creative team led of course by nitty um just just really really awesome stuff all the way through yeah um i do want to give a special shout out to rachel stott there um her work is so good yeah. there's a big splash page of shuri and like the manifestation of her powers the splash page is both it's it's kind of impossible mm. in in some of like what you're seeing but it's weird and magical and it's powerful it's Gorgeous, like poster-worthy image. Yeah. Uh, all right, up next is Star Wars number 69. And it's my first pick of the week. Written by Greg Pak, art by Phil Noto, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Nice. I am just flipping out about this uh, this new era of the main series here. Um, it's, again, I said it with 68, which is this creative, which is, you know, it's great. That was Greg and, and Phil's first issue here. 
it feels so organic and right in a way that you just kind of know that it just not to say that an immense amount of hard work didn't go into this kind of thing, but you just kind of feel in a way that it just flowed out of him Mm -hmm. and onto the page because it's just so perfect. Um, It takes advantage in a bigger narrative sense and a bigger narrative kind of structural way of the classic Star Wars kind of film dynamic where you have multiple things going on all at the same time and you're kind of cutting back and forth between different storylines and different characters and what they're doing at the same time. And just as one scene seems like it's going to hit a climax, we jump to another scene and it just keeps that tension up in such a fun way. Greg and Phil are doing that here because we have... Han and Leia kind of on their own mission, which for me felt very Blade Runner. Han is wearing this cool, like, duster, like, long trench coat. They're, like, on the street level, uh, going around meeting different people, kind of dealing with different, uh, you know, who knows, like, where their allegiances stand type characters. Really awesome on that end. Then we have Luke, who is essentially out on his own, which works so wonderfully. He's just allows us to get these quiet moments where he's just communing with the force where he's still growing into his powers as we know we're in between episodes four and five here we're definitely on a fast track now moving towards the events of the empire strikes back so you know where we pick up with luke then is like we get to see him use like uh his force powers in a physical sense for the first time in a real way things like that so getting to see him really have those quiet moments with himself is awesome as well as getting to meet new characters go and explore new new places and those moments actually kind of made me think of indiana jones in a way because he's out in like this desert planet he's kind of like just the way he's dressed the way he's adventuring out on where he's the he's kind of relying on himself it's really cool and then we have this other story with chewy and 3po who are essentially flying around in the falcon getting into a ton of antics that is so much fun because of like the absolutely this should not work duo uh, element of it it's just all in all it's so much fun it's so right it's so perfect it's everything that i want from a star wars book you know this this new era um with greg and phil you know i've, I've said it before I've, I've been so pumped up since hearing that they were taking over the book and man we're just humming along i'm just already so excited for the next issue yeah Woo. uh okay next up we have sword master number one this joins the uh, Agents of Atlas uh, heroes and their own kind of solo books. We recently read Arrow number one, which was fantastic. And now we're getting into Swordmaster. Uh, obviously, really great stuff. This issue has two stories in it. The first one is Sword in the Tomb, which is written by Shui Zhu uh, with art by Gunji. And uh, the adaptation overall is done by, hey, Mr. Greg Pak. Then we have part one of a new original story by Greg, which is called Swordmaster and Shang-Chi Masterclass. The art on that is by Arya Anandito with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg and letters on the whole thing by VC's Travis Lanham. It's so much fun into these new characters into these characters that have like publishing history across the world um, are being introduced to in English or to American audiences for the first time it's so cool because it's just such a great reminder of the life and the incredible artistry that is out there that you may not even know is a thing until you jump in and read this issue because, man, there is some great stuff going on here. There is some, like, amazing kind of kaiju action that we get with Swordmaster, but also there's this really cool personal story that we're getting to know here with this character. Obviously, Swordmaster 
we've seen him before as a member of the New Agents of Atlas, first and foremost in the War of the Realms tie-in series coming up um, later this year with Agents of Atlas number one, but to be able to zoom in on the personal story, his relationship with his father, how he gets the sword, how he gets his powers, and the kind of really cool, like, almost like 80s movie kind of style like backstory of how he's imbued with these powers what the struggle is like man that greg pot guy he's been at it for a long time but we're like entering a new golden era of greg pot comics for me he do good things he do good things up next is tony stark iron man number 14 written by dan slott and jim zub art by valerio skeety colors by edgar delgado and letters by vc's joe caramagna so this one is a kind of a key story for Tony mm-hmm. and his fight with alcoholism. And it co-stars Carol Danvers, who's also in recovery. And it's an important one for them because that is something that is no joke. It is something that they deal with. And like even when it's not on the page, it is such a key part of who they, those characters are mm-hmm. and what they – their think. you know, it's, it's a weird thing to say. It's like it's a weird thing that – they're constantly aware of it, even if we are not. Right. And that's like these characters right. sort of live uh, outside of anything we know. Uh, you also have the villain Spymaster show up, uh, who has a great costume. Love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some sinister things are afoot with Mr. Arno Stark. Ooh. And yeah, you know, I know what Dan and, and the team have like pushing towards. It's, it's neat. It's real fun watching all this stuff come together. Totally. Okay, next up is Valkyrie, Jane Foster, number one. And it's my second pick of the week. Hell yeah, would have nearly would have been one of my picks of the week. Yeah. Um, this one is written by Jason Aaron and Al Ewing with art by Cafu, colors by Jesus Arbutov, letters and production by VC's Joe Sabino. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so cool on a bigger kind of ultra zoomed out global level because Jason Aaron has been writing Thor in one form or another for seven, eight years now across various across various series, things like that. And of course, you know, the mighty Thor being a crucial central part of that where Jane Foster wielded the hammer, everything like that. So it just feels right that, you know, as Jason Aaron moves from War of the Realms into King Thor, he continues in this kind of Asgardian vein uh, in this crucial way as well. It, it's just so wonderful. I love to see um, the way that Jane, you know, it, it's just that perfect thing. It's that comics mastery thing where, like, Jane shows up on that first that first kind of splash page, I think, where you see her, and it's like, boom, I, I am Jane Foster. And it just gives you, like, in two, like, less than two sentences, like, boom, we're here, we're going forward. It's just like this sense of just never stopping, always going forward, obviously with an incredible mind to the past and where these characters have been. Uh, and if you've been reading for a really long time, you like all that richness is built into it. But it's that thing of she's there and we're here and we're going. And I love it so much because not only is this Jane and the Jane that we know and that we love, but it's also like a Jane and a Valkyrie that have a new power sets. They have, there's... A new way that we get to see her in this position you know it's just this early issue thing of like things that we know are going to become like crucial and a regular dynamic to her story and how she deals with problems who she goes and talks to things like that whether that's like i said 
her powers and how she uses them or, you know, so-called teammates or supporting characters, things like that. It's kind of crazy to read because to me as – and I'm sure to you, to me as someone that's been reading Jane Foster uh, and Jason Aaron's Jane Foster stories for two years uh, or, or so now, it's so cool because there feels like there's so much built in here. It feels like there's such an evolution of this character happening. It's so, so fun. It's so exciting to read. Uh, it's really thrilling. Um, but it's also that that thing of like if you're reading it, it is really just a simple, beautiful story that we're digging into uh, with great stuff, great ca- characters that we've known before, great characters that we're getting to know for the first time. It's just so much built in here. I know you probably have a ton to say about it as well. But uh, yeah, just just what a start, what an evolution. Beautiful art. Yeah. Like Cafu's pages and the layouts. There's a couple of moments. There's moments with Jane as Valkyrie with other Asgardians. Mm-hmm. Which were just breathtaking, like, and they're simple things. They're just mostly their characters talking, but it was just like, gosh, this is just incredible. She has this like the all weapon, yeah, uh, which you know sits on her arm and then can manifest into whatever she needs it to be, and that includes wings and includes like you know a flail or whatever else, and it's just a really cool idea and beautiful execution uh you got some wild villains from like z level to a level yeah. that show up in here setting up all of jane's sort of place where she's going now it's like boom 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 feels just perfect and right uh i hope you checked out the war of the realms omega story because that sets up some things but even if you didn't everything is in the page mm-hmm. in this issue um yeah, I, I can't wait for more of this. Blown away. It is tremendous. It was exactly what I wanted, but so much more. Uh, okay, last issue this week is Web of Venom Funeral Pyre number one. It's written by a guy that knows Venom really well. This is Colin Bunn uh, with art by Joshua Cassara and Alberto Albuquerque with colors by J. David Ramos and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. In the larger world of Venom, which obviously we know has undergone huge changes and has leveled up and just to like new and incredible different uh, heights over the past year, to see a story like this written by Colin Bunn, who is obviously a master of Venom stories, which is really horrific really dark just really like crazy body horror really visceral stuff all the way through as we follow this kind of central character through this story and as we get to see the things that she sees in different ways just on a standalone level it's like such a horrific weird creepy awesome book that i think if you're a fan of you know, if you're a fan of Venom, if you're a fan of Carnage, uh, you will just absolutely love. But then to know that we're kind of part of this bigger thing that's happening in the world of these characters, in the world of the symbiotes, uh, it's just really, really awesome. Especially to see how this ties in various elements of kind of Venom history, various elements of what's going on in, in, in with, you know, Donnie's series, what's going on and what's going to come up with Absolute Carnage. Uh, which is super exciting. It's just great. And ultimately, it just feels like this somehow it's both like this bubbling, simmering thing that you're just is so unsettling, so creepy, so horrific. But at the same time, it's like really explosive in its own right. Yeah, great, great stuff. And something that you'd expect from the likes of Colin Bunn. Yeah. Okay, those are the individual issues on sale this week. And whoa, what a week. It is uh, collections on sale now include 
Black Panther, Book 7, The Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda, Part 2, Marvel Visionaries, Roy Thomas, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, Punisher, Return to Big Nothing, Savage Sword of Conan, The Cult of Kogathun, Savage Sword of Conan, The Cult of Kogathun, Black and White, and Thor of the Realms. I love that there's a black and white version yeah. of that Savage Sword uh, story, which is cool. I think that's really fitting. Uh, that Thor of the Realms, so good. Uh, over on Marvel Unlimited, a bunch of books uh, added there, including some 90s Spider-Man, uh, amazing fantasy issues from uh, when we picked up the numbering in the 90s as well. But key issues uh, from recent stuff include Black Widow number one, which I love, mm -hmm. Invaders number one, which is terrific, uh, and Jessica Jones' Purple Daughter, the MDO uh, that you know Marvel Digital original digital comic. The first issue of that is now in Marvel Unlimited, uh, and it is tremendous. Don't sleep on it. Yeah, it's real good, and you can enjoy that and so many more. Put the full list on Marvel.com. Make sure you subscribe to Marvel Unlimited, and uh, that's it. We've We've got more to do. Yeah, we Let, do. Let's go do it. Yeah. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. This is Marvel. Your universe.